0: Sometimes I get better at singing Sometimes it feels a lot like the weekend I do my best thinking
1: When I'm drinking
0: Day three and I realized I said something wrong for day two
2: okay well let me let me say that i'm out for the first half of day three because happy hour extended very long (laughs) on the second night that
3: much fun has a price that must be paid
2: as Debbie was saying, some days you want to be able to be up and get going, and some days you need a little bit of a break. Yeah, so I'm out there until we get halfway through day three. That's, that's fine. That well, was Debbie
0: Wednesday week. night.
4: Yes, <laughs> um, I got the party started right. Um, The festival starts on a Thursday, and Wednesday night when we all show up, I was just so excited to see everyone after a um, stressful day of traveling. So, yes, uh, Chris, you are in good company.
2: <laughs> it's part of the
4: fun. It is part of the fun, yes. And so even though there's a very full schedule at ATX, you know, we make it even a more full schedule by all the things we do <laughs> in between before and after events.
1: <laughs> yes. I was going to say, I, I was looking at the schedule, like, I was like, okay, so what, what did happen? I'm like, oh, yeah. I, um... <laughs> like oh mm -hmm. this is there's this conversation day three is gonna have a quick conversation I think unless Tammy holds it down for us (laughs) wait I I I
3: left I did not stay for the sing-along I stayed for a little bit and I said the reason I left was because like instead of sleeping in I decided to go to bed early so because I really wanted to see Mary Steenburgen and Ted Danson and I I was so so happy that I
4: did yeah. Yes. Day three was actually my busiest festival programming oh, day. Go so Debbie. I, I got you guys. <laughs> okay.
0: I will say I did stay out drinking late Friday night as well, but I did make it to the Mary Steenburgen and the uh, dancing.
5: Yeah. So I went you to that house. Was... You guys probably think I'm so boring because I don't drink. <laughs> no, no, no. This no. is.
4: <laughs> Not at all. No. Thank- you we, we need anyway. to a you to drive.
5: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Number one, you're still with us, and number two, if we need someone to drive, you're going to be there. And that we, yeah, us you. drinkers, I... always need a non-drinker.
5: <laughs> well, I got you.
1: all. going to hold our?
3: Who's going to hold our hair? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, you know,
1: the good thing about it is we just talk so long that like it 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 just nobody gets so out of control because it just it just we just wait till we come back around and we're like okay, now we're balanced out. All right. Now let's now I need to go back up again and so it's a nice little Was that thing. the night we
0: went to the to Voodoo Donuts? I think so. Okay, I think so too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because that
2: was state of the industry talk.
0: Yeah. Tammy, would you like to discuss Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen panel?
3: Well, they're just a delight. Like, individually, they're a delight. Together, they're even more delightful. I mean, I love myself an irre. Look, they're up there with, like, Hugh Grant and his wife... Or not Hugh Grant. Hugh... Jackman? Wolverine. Jackman. Jack- Thank you very much. Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. I love couples who just keep each other in check. Like, the the just... Uh, they obviously love each other. They're obviously good friends. They obviously laugh a lot. Uh, And they were just, yeah, they were just a delight and making fun of each other and teasing each other, but also, you know, like really proud of the work that they do, they've done themselves. And they're just, they were also like the biggest cheerleaders of each other, um, which was really sweet. Uh, Yeah, that was just
1: a great, great panel to me. It was one of the classics
3: raised sure. like
1: relationship goals for I think so many people in the audience because we're like oh man like I want yeah that, like. I'm never settling for anything other right. than that yeah right yeah and yes. it was a different kind of family dynamic than Timothy Olyphant and his daughter from the, <laughs> the right I was like this is a way different family dynamic but both family dynamics highly enjoyable but yeah relationship goals I'm sorry Debbie you were oh, say-
4: no, no, no. It, it, you didn't <laughs> cut me off by any means. I'm going to echo everything that you guys have said. This has to be one of my favorite panels from the festival. And the night before with the Cheers people and um, uh, Mary was in the audience and she was watching it along with us. And I was like two rows in front of her. And I just like my like fan appreciation for these two individuals just like grew exponentially and it it was just such a lovely lovely event and yes I put the smile on my face just thinking about it It makes my Grinch heart grow guys
0: (laughs) I wonder if they still do the the Christmas photos every year
4: I sure hope so
0: (laughs) I think it was I hope so he was on like Leno or somebody that was talking about it but they do weird, really weird Christmas photos with their kids and with like with we each other. We should have asked. I wanted to, but I, I didn't know really... good
4: question
3: to ask.
0: Well, I, I wanted... didn't know
4: that that was a thing, but now <laughs> I need to go and find them all.
0: <laughs> I remember that, and I wanted to ask about it, but I really wanted to ask about um, Joan of Arcadia, and so that's what I ended up asking about. Which she kind of she talked about, it, but she didn't really answer the question I had, <laughs> which was fine. <laughs> that's okay. Good show. Um, did anyone go to Constructing Character or Fast, uh, what is this, ABOD and the return to ad-supported TV?
2: No. Had I been up, that's what my first one was. That was one of the highlights that I had down. They haven't released it yet. I have heard really good things about it. I'm I'm anxious to be able to catch up to that.
3: I, yeah, I heard really good things about it, too, from the people who went, for sure.
4: Yeah, well, and I think the fast television, I think, is just an interesting concept. Like, like Amazon has Freebie, you know, and I don't know what the other ones are associated with, but is that kind of a direction we're going to go? Is you're going to have your non-ad-supported, you know, streamer, and then they're going to have a counterpart? I don't know. I, I'm interested to listening to it. Ugh. I'm just going to smoke all over the place. I'm interested in seeing what it what it's going to be when it's released. <laughs> yeah, it's funny
3: because like uh, Peacock, I don't pay for Peacock Premium. I just, I, you know, every 10 minutes there's a 60 second ad and I'm just like, fine, that's good. You know, <laughs> I don't care. But, but and, the, uh, and Paramount Plus for the longest time I had the ads. The only reason I upgraded is because the Louds were the ads were 70 million times louder than the show. And it just, it made me insane. And so I was like, that's it. I'm paying to get rid of the ads." I don't mind ads. I think ads are hysterical sometimes. So.
4: Exactly. I have HBO with ads and do you know what? I don't mind it at all. But then on other platforms where there's an ad break every, you know, six to seven minutes, I, I, that I can't handle as well as other, especially if they're, um, not like programming related to their own platform. They're just some random crazy ad. Drug company? Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, <in laughs> Peacock, if you've watched any movies on Peacock, they'll do like two minutes of commercials and then you have ad-free movie.
3: Oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. It, it, I think Peacock does it right. I mean, I'm not sure what they're, how they're doing revenue-wise, but as far as their ad content, it's not annoying in any way, shape, or form.
0: I only got Peacock because it was 20 bucks for the full year.
3: <laughs> what? <laughs> I have it What's for your... soccer. I had to get it for soccer, and then I just I stayed for the rest of it.
2: The other two um, platforms that were actually represented, because free freebie was supposed to be a part of it and ended up having to pull back. So it was Pluto, which is CBS's platform. It was okay. Tubi, which is Fox's platform. Uh, one of the things that came out of it that I'm interested to hear more about is, is that they are targeting different audiences with these platforms. One of the reasons why I believe it was the, uh, the Pluto representative was talking about the types of programs that they were able to put up there was because they were reaching Marginalized communities that don't have that type of programming to get on regular network broadcasts and so they were able to use the the free ad supported platforms to be able to reach these uh, viewers who didn't have this option on networks and wouldn't be able to pay for it on a regular streaming platform so some of the some of the ways that they were selecting. The the programming to be able to put up on there is is intentional, and I'm not sure I would have known that before somebody had told me about it from the panel.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, did anyone go to Diverse Voices in Comedy? Nope. Um,
4: I think that's the first one that none of us have attended.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it hasn't been out yet, so we haven't yeah. seen. It. It's true. So yes, I'm. Yeah, I'm right. sure it'll be released. Mm-hmm. This is where I screwed up, Sean. You were right. Yeah, the mystery panel was Betsy Brandt. And that was a great panel,
5: Lee. I'm always right. Just don't ask Angie, um,
3: <laughs> because I realized that
5: the launching well, a podcast, Sean, co-
3: Sean. We yeah, Sean. We know Angie's always wrong. It's okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, launching a podcast. That was the one with Christy Carlson Romano and her husband. Did anyone go to the showrunner POV for The Simpsons?
4: I, I wanted heard. to, but didn't make
0: it. <laughs> Another one. Okay. And then I know a lot of you went to Jury Duty. So
5: which one? Yeah. Jury Yay! Duty. Jury Duty. Never, never heard of it.
0: <laughs> How was George. it? So
5: Jury Duty George.
3: had the most security yes. of, any, of any panel I've ever. It was one of those things where I, I was sitting there and all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow, there is a lot of private security here. And as the panel went on, it made sense. So, because one of the things they talked, so they had Ronald, they had the creators, they had Ronald, they had a casting, the casting director. Uh, there was another industry person. I can't, here I can hit it. There was, um, and there, then the, the girl. Yes. There was Ronald and then there was the girl. And what this is the thing that always sticks in my head because they asked Ronald, what does this sudden fame feel like? Um, And so he talked about how crazy it is and that, you know, for like, you know, this was a year ago. They filmed this a year ago. He's had to keep this quiet. He had to go get a job because he couldn't tell anyone that he had gone through this. And then and then they talked to the girl and the girl was like, I have been an actor in New York my entire life. I have wanted to be famous my entire life. And you know what? It's not that great. And I was so blown away by that. And then that's when I realized that that's why they had the private security is that they were, you know, that's the studio making those actors feel or, you know, Ronald and actor feel better and more comfortable um, in the space. And just also illustrated what they're going through with this show, which was is such an unusual experience. But it was a great pal because they talked a lot about the ethics of what they did, which was important, I think, to a lot of us to learn about. And just the level of detail that, you know, that we learned, they had a psychologist for Ronald, you know, they, they, he did a lot of psychological testing beforehand, but they had stuff for him while he was shooting. And then they had obviously the same support afterward. I I got the impression that they basically had somebody from the studio who was kind of his buddy, who was, who checked in on him every day and made sure he was okay. And, but it was really fascinating how they pulled it off.
1: But I was Um, struck by two things, right? I don't disagree with anything that you're saying, Tammy, but it was to me very, I don't know what the right word is. Shocking feels too strong, but I'll go with surprised that for all their talk about ethics and the psychologist and the care that they were doing for Ronald, they were talking about him in the third person, like he wasn't on the panel. (laughs) Yeah, that was a little weird the entire time.
4: Jamie, I am so glad you brought that up because I thought I was the only one who was feeling that way because as Ronald was our surprise guest in the member event, as we've talked about, and he was just so full of life and so happy to be there. And in this panel, it's almost like he wasn't there. And I know it was a different format um, for this type of programming, but I'm so glad you brought that up because I thought I was the only one who was feeling that way about how they were treating Ronald during that panel.
1: Mm-hmm. And even the the ending, there was a something that one of the showrunners, I think it was a showrunner that said, and what I don't want, and I don't want people to think that Ronald can do no wrong because he was such a great guy. And then he kind of realizes like, oh, and he turns to talk to Ronald and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm bothered by the fact that yeah. like, you had to remind yourself and I didn't know how much, but that's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know how much, like, right. Kind of to the cheers thing, right. Like how much am I hold, like, how much do I need to hold you responsible for this 45 minute, 40 minute conversation and this one little interaction? I don't know how much that reveals or doesn't about like who you are as a person. And it's things that I'm like, I would do goofy things. I do goofy things like second by second. So like, it could have just been literally like, oh, wait, like, this is a goofy thing. Let me fix it. Um, And so maybe I'm just being too harsh. But I had like a million questions that I would have loved to like, <laughs> like, let's chat. Let's have a conversation because I'm curious.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, Lee, do you yes. mind if I interrupt you? Yeah, go for it. All right. I'm curious, one of the things that I heard on the podcast that many of us listened to this last week was that one of the TV critics did not believe that this show should be given Emmy consideration as a reality show because it is essentially a scripted show with a character who is not among the scripted, just reacting to or, you know, just something along the lines of that. I'm curious whether you guys think it's a reality show
5: or not.
4: That's a really good question. I think reality. I 100% think it was a
3: scripted show.
5: I'd say scripted. I, be- yeah. Because they, say-
3: scri- they, had, they had scripts for, I mean, they had, you know, they had so much planned out. Well, like. And, and kind of the way they talked about it, it all sort of went according to plan. You know, they, they you know, um, especially the whole dwarf thing, right? Like, so they talked about dwarf and how they had to go and make sure it could get, they had to make sure it got in the Urban Dictionary so that if Ronald grabs that phone out of that waiter's hand that he could see it was actually on the, you know, the thing. So I would say that that thing was so, I mean, now look, is reality show scripted too, right? It is to a certain degree. Yeah, I would, I, are they going to ask for a reality show? Do you know? I guess we'll find out tomorrow,
1: right? Counterpoint though, (laughs) like Amazing Race gets Emmys every freaking year. Not that, again, this is not a diss against the Amazing Race um, because there's so much that goes into it, but that's exactly what the Amazing Race does. They are planning these things and people are merely reacting to everything is structured around this thing. Same thing with Project Runway. RuPaul, like they're all, I feel like they're all in the same they're all the same level of scripted. So, oh, that's a, I need to, <laughs> that's a good question. Go ahead.
5: Go ahead. So I, I think, I mean, and I've always thought this reality TV is too broad a term. I mean, there's, I mean, like, and game shows are game shows, but they are reality TV. There should also be subcategories for these other things. And I agree. I mean, the amazing race is, is, is a good example because, I mean, these people are running around the city. You have to contain them to some degree. You can't have, you know, a team 20 miles off course, you know. I mean, so they kind of do steer them and, you know, not let them get too far uh, away, but – um this this show is de- was definitely scripted, and they even said at the panel that they had you know a plan A, B, and C. So if Ron, you know, if Ronald did this, then we're going to do this. If they did, if he did this, then we're going to do this. So they had cameras and microphones and everything set up. So okay, if you know if Ronald doesn't do this, which you know he always went with plan A, it seemed like you know so it made their job a lot easier. But they did it. It, it was definitely scripted because they had everything set up like you know those. They
0: made a giant turd.
5: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I well, would say
3: yeah, scripted. so. <laughs> they made a giant turd.
2: <laughs> let's say that maybe maybe the real, descript, the real conversation that all of us in fans and in industry should be having is what we really attribute scripting in reality shows to. Because I think we've seen as reality shows have expanded in the last 25 years – that reality shows today are much different than reality shows where they literally just drop people in and let them go right uh, one of the one the of the writers of that real I, world it's controlled. Yeah, one of the writers that I follow is uh, uh, a reality show uh, writer who uh, refers to it often as nonfiction writing and so that's sort of a better, broader term for the types of shows you're doing, whether they're game shows or contestant shows or things like that that require scripting within a nonfiction setting.
0: I was just thinking it's almost like a mouse in a maze. It's controlled, but the mouse can make the decision where they're going. But I mean, Mm -hmm. it's planned out. So like even with a circle, that's planned out, but they're gonna say what they're gonna say.
1: I'm on the side on it's a reality show. I
3: was thinking I when you guys were talking it. to you that there's there's a plot there's a plot to it there, there might not be a script in which everyone says what someone wants them to say but the plot itself is written so it's almost you know improvised to a certain degree and but that still that plot had to be scripted
0: what I found so, yeah. interesting from the show did you know who the judge is yes <laughs> it's Ike Barinholtz's dad Ike Baron was yeah. on was an yeah, Mad dead. TV. He was a lawyer. Uh, Mad TV, oh, Cock Blockers. I don't know what else he's done, but a bunch of stuff. Just thought it was interesting. Did anyone go to Queer Stories or The Ripple Effect?
4: No, no it was on my list, but I didn't get to make it to it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. How about Into the Dark or Take the Risk?
4: I went to Take the Risk. Okay. It was one of into our. Into the Dark. Go ahead, Derek. Our... Go. Oh, uh, so take the risk was one of the micro panels, and one of our fellow members was actually one of the panelists. So I really wanted to go and support her. And you know, it, those micro panels—you never know if you're going to make it in. And I was luckily had um, one of our fast passes uh, to it, so I I got in. But even with the fast pass, like the room was almost full, <laughs> and so. I I really enjoyed it, and I hope they release it as a podcast because it had a lot of good messages of just, like, believing in yourself. And, you know, it's never too late to change directions, so I'm glad I went. Mm
0: -hmm. I didn't make it in.
4: (laughs) I know. I know. There was such a huge line for that panel, and I was even concerned, like, the people who had the Fast Passes weren't even going to make it in. Like, it was was very (laughs) crowded and... And so. I, I know I was a little nervous myself.
0: <laughs> I ended up leaving. And so Friday, I was walking towards Cruel Summer and then stopped because I saw somebody from TikTok. You oh, told
4: me. yes, your TikToker that you
0: so know. <laughs> I was like, I think that's her. And it was Sam Ramsdale. She's got the biggest mouth in the world. And so I ended up ch- chatting with her and her boyfriend, James. And then since I didn't make it to take the risk, I met him for another drink at, at some bar. Instead. Yeah, <laughs> eh, whatever.
4: That's it was okay. Fine. That's the magic of the festival. You never know who you're gonna enc- encounter. <laughs>
0: Go with the flow. Oh, for sure. Pivoting.
4: When you don't get into something, you pivot. Yeah. Yes, pivot. Pivot.
0: <laughs> and Janie, you said you went to Into the Dark. No, you didn't. Okay. I did. You did. Okay.
3: I did. And you know, it was it was it was interesting in the sense that they talked a lot about how weird it is to create characters who that, you know, no one should really like. And yet, you know, everyone's like, oh, they're a vampire. I love them. And <laughs> Julie Pleck was just like, eh, it's kind of weird that you guys are like that, you know? Um, but it was, uh, they were taught, they talked a lot though about how it's, it's just much more fun to write dark characters sometimes than it is to, to write the nice guys. And it was good. Julie
5: Pleck's one of those people I will always go see. So,
0: did anyone go to From or Mayans?
5: I I wanted to go to From, but I didn't have MGM Plus. So I was like, I'm going to go see this, you know, and I'm never going to be able to watch it. But I'm
3: going to be mad.
5: Yeah. As as it (laughs) turns out, I didn't know we have every freaking streaming platform known to man. So I guess I can watch everything. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's just so much. And I'm not, I mean, I don't watch a whole lot of TV. I've watched more TV in the last like four months than I've watched probably the last four years. And. (laughs) It's a lot of good TV, and there's also a lot of crap TV. But... There is a lot of crap
4: TV. Well, you're you're in good company.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are a bad influence on me as far as <laughs> – you guys make me watch a lot of great shows, but I should be doing other things. <laughs> <Man>.
0: <laughs> okay, did anyone go to Unscripted? Uh-uh. We're finding more and more that we didn't go to things.
4: <laughs> I know. I <laughs> know.
0: Uh, did anyone go to the WGA on strike? Yes, I, I did. Go for yeah.
4: it. Well, I, this was my favorite panel of the festival, you know, as a fan, sometimes you don't understand what's really going on behind the scenes or why things are happening. And so to be able to sit in that audience and hear their concerns and why they're fighting for what they're fighting for was moving it was enlightening it made me a bigger fan of the industry and i've actually shared the atx youtube uh link with multiple people because they know i go to the festival and i love it so much and they've watched it and now they understand so i really think this was the critical um informational panel for me so i was very happy not happy with the situation, just to clarify, just <laughs> happy with the, happy being a part of the conversation.
3: Mm-hmm. Agreed. I did not understand the mini room issue at all until they explained it. Uh, so I was super happy about that. And then was also just incredibly, I walked in and I didn't walk in ambivalent. I walked in 100% behind them um, and then walked out. <laughs> I think we all joked that we walked out communists. We were like, yes! <laughs> Overthrow everybody. Um, but it was uh it was so so great for anyone who doesn't understand what they're striking for to, to listen to,
1: for sure.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um again, I mean somebody who doesn't really know much about the industry, um, it was definitely eye opening and I mean Angie and I had a conversation. Like I said, we subscribe to every platform known to man, so I guess I'm part of the problem without even knowing it, you know what i mean? Here we think we're supporting people and then we're supporting the people at the top. <laughs> but uh to even go back to last year, um, Leslie when she was there and she was talking about being the president of um is it was she? Director's Guild, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Director's Guild. So she and she talked about like, you know, she takes her job very seriously because she, you know, when she goes to these meetings and is fighting for people, she's fighting for people to have, you know, dental coverage and you know, insurance and it's not just about, you know, all the money for this and that, but it's like the health insurance and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, so between her and then, you know, going to this Writers on Strike panel, it, it was definitely eye-opening and I mean, obviously we all know there's a lot of, you know, thousands of people work on these shows and stuff like that.
3: I came up with this great idea. I just don't know how to implement this. We need, like, every viewer needs to go on strike for a day. Like, we literally cancel every single one of our subscriptions for one day, you know, or whatever. Like, I I just feel like that would be the – I don't know how to, again, get that started where we just all just walk out.
4: Yeah, Tammy, I'm with you.
5: I was going to say, you tell that to all the parents with Disney Plus that use Disney Plus as a daycare (laughs) for their kids.
4: Well, we can make an exception there's, for There's children. DVDs.
5: Throw some DVDs in there. <laughs> Put on a little mermaid on the DVD
3: player, for heaven's sake. We all still have them. Yeah,
5: true.
3: No,
4: but- I, but I agree with the impending actors or potential actor strike coming up. It's like, okay, well, how do I, as a fan, support them? You know, because we obviously love what they do. We wouldn't be here if we didn't. But how do we let them know that, hey, we support you, we support your endeavors, we support your choices, we're with you. And it's just like, yes, uh, a streamer blackout day, I think I think is needed. And I don't know, okay, we need to come up with a hashtag.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. So before we get there, right, the streamers have made it so that is ludicrously difficult to do, right? Because if you go and cancel everything that you have right now, you still have it for five days, 10 days, 15, 20, depending on where you are in your cycle and when your subscription renews. So they've set up a model that makes that kind of action really, really difficult. One of these days, somebody is going to come up with a platform that allows you to turn things on and off easily amongst multiple streamers. Whoever ends up coming up with that idea is going to make a lot of money, but it's really difficult to do. And well, also- yeah, that's no. a
3: really good point. Cause some of mine I just pay for the year. Some I pay monthly, and then some I just pay for the year. So if I, like, stopped watching Paramount Plus tomorrow, I'd be like, thanks. Anyway, we appreciate you. And
4: yeah. in- Hulu, I think, is the only one that I'm aware of that has a pause feature where you can pause your subscription and not just cancel it. Stars. Stars Star, has a
3: pause Star. feature
4: as Star. well. Star. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good to know. Because that's after, what I do
3: with Stars because there's not enough on there. I'm like, it's Outlander and, uh, you know, kind of that's yeah. it. So.
4: So if you if you do cancel <laughs> it
5: um, and then you go to, like, read, you know, start it up again, I mean, a lot of them, you're probably grandfathered in for, like, a price. And then when you mm-hmm. go to it, you're going to have to pay more for it. And, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I guess your only option is to find a big day like the season two of Wednesday if no one watched it the day it came out that would probably hit them hard because yes. Netflix what they do like they, they count number of watches over like the weekend and then, or whatever
1: but that's the problem it doesn't hurt Netflix it no. hurts the people who make Wednesday right it hurts yeah it it hurts the show because the show allegedly um like they count like day of viewers day of completers all that good stuff that's true so it, it wouldn't be hurting the right people
4: um yes and and I agree with that it's like I was trying to do my Rolodex of memory here <laughs> and be like, okay, well, with the last writer's strike, which shows didn't make it back and were are so impacted by the last strike that never made it back on the air. You know, are we hurting the shows? Are, are we, yes, Jamie, you're right. Who by us not watching, yeah. is it making the correct impact? Mm-hmm.
1: Right.
4: Well, and that's why
1: we have so much reality TV in all of its different Right. <laughs> and all of it to the level of type of reality show to the like how much reality is in that reality show, like all those different iterations come from Brighter Strike from previous.
2: So before we get off this, real quick, let's talk two people. First off, it's Bo Willimon, right? The the whole reason why they have this panel is because the founders went to Bo and said, What can we do? Bo is among those very active writers and showrunners who is also very entwined with the festival. And he has a really specific view on a lot of things in the industry that come out very well in the types of panels and conversations he has when he's in Austin. So a lot of the, a lot of the credit for what 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 I think was really the best panel of the festival, and it's not even close, was Bo's influence on what it was going to be and how he was going to engage the audience into that conversation. Right. Second thing, um, Greg Awinsky, who I don't know if any of us would have known off the top of our heads, who is a, a late night comedy writer, who is one of the negotiators on the uh, uh, WJ. WGA West group, I believe, um, and was just phenomenal. Um, all, of the, all of the putting things in perspective and bringing things down to a level the audience would understand was almost entirely on Greg's conversation. He was magnificent. Um, he also had a micro panel on the last day that we'll get to that they released that is outstanding as well. But I don't think any of us would have had any idea who Greg was until they put him up on there. And apparently that was Bo's choice
5: to make sure that Greg was on there. I mean, just the fact that he talked about like people not even be, because they won't, they would only pay him on a day rate and then, you know, not even be able to assign leases or getting your kids into daycare because nobody's going to, you know, pay you at your word. You have to have like, you know, obviously steady income. But yeah, that, I mean, I, I would never. Exactly. Okay.
4: No, it's definitely a panel to 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 really watch. You and know. Share
5: with people, not just watch and, audience, sh- and share
4: with people. Mm-hmm.
0: Did anyone go to Gronish? Did anyone go to Director POV? Oh, I wanted to. Yeah, no. Um, I'm gonna guess no one went to the James Burrow um, Okay.
5: Well, I watched that. I
2: watched that after because I was planning to do that, but like everybody else, I was. Um, but I watched it after, and I thought he was actually – he was better in the conversation that they had on the panel than he was in the Cheers panel the day before, you know, for whatever that is. It, he, he talked a little bit about stuff. Um, he seemed to have some real pride in the, the programs and the types of, um, you know, multi-camera comedy shows that he both essentially invented and has steered through a lot of changes in the industry that went away from those for a while. So it well, wasn't bad.
5: The Cheers reunion was probably just way past his bedtime.
0: Very possible.
5: <laughs> <Ooh>.
0: <laughs> okay. Did anyone go to beyond the very special episode? And how was that? No, no, no. That's that's
2: the women's health panel. Right. So, did you yeah, guys see did. that afterwards?
3: No, I went to it.
2: Did you go to it? Okay.
3: Yeah, I did. It was very good. It was, you know, they talked about. It said it, it, it you know, the the whole title was "TV tackles women's health." I was pretty sure it was probably going to be about abortion. It turned out it was about breast cancer. Um, yep. But what was really fascinating was uh, so they had a uh, writer from the Simpsons and his wife who had breast cancer. And so she talked him into doing a, a creating a character um, and addressing breast cancer uh, through the Simpsons, which was really interesting. And then they had the, you know, the, the current showrunner for Grey's Anatomy on there, um, which has had numerous obviously um, shows. And then um, one of the, the uh, things that I thought was super cool about it was the fact that they had, um, So they had this woman who runs Hollywood Health and Society, which is this, I guess, industry group. I don't know how uh, else to describe it. But if a TV, if a movie or Hollywood needs are like, someone's got Parkinson's. Does anyone know about Parkinson's? I can call this, this industry group and they will hook up the writers with people who are knowledgeable about that stuff, which I thought was really fascinating and cool. And uh, so it was a very, very nice panel. I loved it. It was it was really, really interesting. Um, and just the care that they take in is basically showing that they take a lot of care in when they deal with you know health topics or social things like this, that, that they get it right, which is so nice
2: to see. This is probably the best panel I didn't see until we got to watch it on, on the platform. Zoanne Clack is the showrunner from Grey's Anatomy and now Station 19 she was the star of this festival. She was in about three or four panels. She was fabulous and fantastic in every single one of them. Um, Hollywood Health um, uh, and Society uh, is a a regular partner of the uh, festival, and they put on um, uh, this and a couple of other panels uh, each year along the way, talking about some of those areas in which they're able to help uh, creators find and get resources in uh, topics that they're going to address that they wouldn't normally have. The other panelist on here was one of the main writers from Superman and Lois, uh, which if, you know, without any spoilers too much, but this last season, one of the main themes of the show was one of the characters going through breast cancer. And so um, between the uh, the uh, Simpsons uh, creator's wife, um, between the Superman and Lois story, there was a lot of talk that you could have about how to address breast cancer in these shows, what it looked like, what it felt like, how to make it as as true as they can make the experience on screen to match what people were going through in their own lives. And it's... It was a magnificent conversation. You can't do it justice just by summarizing it. When it comes out, make yeah,
4: sure you watch. Yes, yes. I I agree with all of that. And can we talk about the one person who wasn't there? The actor from A Million Little Things um, who played the character Gary. Um, I yeah. love A Million Little Things. I, I love the show dearly. But I, I think that also offers a... A very interesting perspective on breast cancer and the community, and you know, I think he would have added a lot. and He is also that actor. Um, you'll have to help me out with this name, James
0: um, Rode Rodriguez,
4: I believe. The, the, the man from Psych. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll look always... it up here. Yeah, James he's... Rod- James he's been Rod- Rod- to the festival. I'm oh, sorry,
5: is it Rode? Is his last name? I think
4: James Rode Rodriguez. I was right, yeah, yeah. Yes. cool. And he's been to the festival multiple times, and so I, I feel like that conversation, would it, him being there would have contributed a lot, but I agree with everyone. like That was a wonderful panel. It was a very moving panel. It was a great conversation, and I'm glad it was had.
0: Okay, I know Janie and I went to this fool because we sat next to each other. <laughs> Did anyone else go?
4: Which one?
0: This fool. This
4: fool. No, it was on my list.
0: <laughs> Janie, you want
1: to talk about it?
4: Well this is an example
1: of like why um, I just can't imagine ever not going to the festival prior to the festival. I had watched this show and I felt some kind of way about it. Cause I was like, Ooh. like we're laughing, but there's some pretty tough, what I would consider stereotypes uh, in the show. And so it's that like, that that line of like true to yourself and funny but how much of that gets tainted by studio execs who are trying to make it you know palatable for a larger audience and then like how much of it do you hold true but after listening to them and really hearing like how the show came about how they've supported each other I had a way different interpretation of like the show itself. And I think that's part of like, I, without hearing from them and being able to just have a conversation or hear them have a conversation about like, you know, the, the choices that they're making and why they're making those choices and, and where the comedy really comes from. I had a totally different level of respect for it. And I was really, really glad that I got to be in the audience for that.
0: So I had gotten an email asking if I wanted to interview them. So that's when I watched the show first, and then I said yes, because I wanted – I had no idea what the show was. It is on Hulu. Great show. Um, but a lot of a lot of those stories are from his experience. So I appreciate that he's telling his story, but that episode will be out before this episode is. Because <laughs> <laughs> season two, I think, comes out July 28th, and I think I'm releasing this.
2: Two weeks,
5: I think, right?
0: Yeah, and I'm releasing their episode on the 25th. Uh, but they were great to talk to, and – I'm ready for season 2. And I felt like I felt like this show was relatable. I mean, Janie, I don't know where you grew up. San Antonio. Okay. So I grew up in Vegas, and so I felt like a lot of I felt like even though I'm very white, I could relate to some of these things that I saw because of where I lived, not because I wasn't in the nice part of town. And I didn't go to school in the nice part of town. So a lot of that, yeah, I don't know. But we'll see how season 2 is. Okay. righteous gemstones. All right, Lee. We- <laughs> we're, we're we're turning it over
2: to you lee lee you yep. got this I, you.
4: <laughs> yep this is your show <laughs> okay
0: this is my show and i will i'll be honest i did not care for jane leo it's not it's oh, not them it's not them but when she came out and said we're gonna take it to church and then sang random songs that had nothing to do with church or sounding like church songs i was kind of put off and then i felt like his guitar and her keyboard were so loud that I couldn't really hear them, and that may have been because I was right up front. So that may be a different perspective from those that were sitting a little further back. But I was we expect- okay. I was expecting more of, like, the different songs we heard on the show. So I think that's what turned me off from that.
2: Okay, describe what you're talking about. Jane Leo is...
1: The they were band the band that, that, s- that opened up. Ahead. Right. But I think that's where...
0: We I- know, but I mean- right. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: yeah so it was more of a showcase yes these these marquee events were more kind of like a showcase you had an opening act you had an uh another thing you screened something or had an event like the script reading and then you got to the to the cast um conversation right mm-hmm.
0: and i think they're supposed to come back and sing more songs i've got my fan behind me
4: I still have my fan too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because this I, says I, I is, like this says post All movie.
4: my stuff
3: went to David.
0: That was nice <laughs> of you. You're so
3: good. I Jamie. didn't keep a thing. It all went to David. So good. I, you know, I, I the thing I've always wondered and I I keep meaning to ask Emily and I keep forgetting is cuz you know, for both of the marquee events they were at at the ACL Moody Theater which is where Austin City Limits is filmed for those who are outside of Texas. Um, and I was wondering if they very specifically had music as part of these two marquee events. Cause we don't, we've not, we have we have never had musical guests before a, a marquee event before when we've been at the Paramount because it was at ACL live, or if it was just that they had it they were like, well, we get got this great space let's hire some musicians. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure where it came from.
1: Well, and I think it was also meant, I think it was meant to be that. And I think it was meant to be local musicians. So that's why like, it, like it wouldn't. It they wasn't were both right. Supposed to be music from the show because it was local. It was incorporating the show in some way.
4: You know, yeah.
1: I enjoyed it because it's something I would have never like. They would have never been on my radar. I would have never known have they existed otherwise. Um, and I like being exposed to new things. Um, and I think that if it like continues, I think that's something that will just con- like. It'll be something that just gets better and better every year.
0: And don't get me wrong. They were fine. Like they did a good job, but like the guy that sang for cheers, his music made more sense to me. Like he was talking about TV in the songs. Jane Leo, when (laughs) she came out and said, we're taking you to church and then doesn't do it. That's kind of when I was like, I don't care anymore. You've lost me. You could, you
5: know. Mm -hmm. One more more thing before you actually start talking about the show. I think that the ATX fest festival people did a better job with the righteous gemstones at the ACL live than they did with the cheers because the people who had like the day passes, they made them sit upstairs. They were directing them upstairs. So us as like, you know, camp badge holders had priority seating. So I think they learned a lesson from Friday to Saturday night. So, I mean, I, I just, before you actually get to the talking about the righteous gemstones, I just wanted to make note that they, they did a better job. They learned from their mistake. Yeah. And um, so if we go back there next year, hopefully they keep it the same way. Totally,
0: <clears throat> I did appreciate that. I did not appreciate the sign saying don't take photos.
5: Oh, because well, I never got
2: any photos. You just got to gotta be a rebel. I didn't yeah, I didn't appreciate the people telling us after we asked about the sign and then seeing Every one of the VIPs who was in the center stage immediately grabbing their phones when they went up. That that was that was when I ignored what we were told.
0: Yeah, but I but I, I needed that. them
2: to do that <laughs> and get away with it before I was going to risk getting thrown out.
0: Right, I couldn't see anything because I was at the very front.
4: So
2: they know, know anybody I was
4: work. taking
0: photos. I had no
2: idea.
4: What I didn't appreciate is I didn't know that the program was on the back of the fan. <laughs> Oh my God! Like... <laughs> well, here I am expecting to screen one episode, but little did I know if I ha- would have stopped using it as a church fan, <laughs> I would have known we would We were getting two.
0: <laughs> okay, well, let's I talk about that.
5: Only, yeah, I wish I, it would only been an episode. That's what I
0: was say. I wish it would have been one episode longer panel. I feel like twenty minutes of talking was not long enough.
5: Yep, I agree.
0: And those those episodes are short too. But they have
2: however they big... set up the timing it felt like they didn't leave enough time for the panel. They were well, rushed there was off also, for dinner.
1: Well, there was also though a lot of clapping and a lot of cheering for the cast itself mm-hmm. that I don't think anybody in the planning factored into with that many people in the audience mm-hmm. for that much reaction to each member that was coming out that ad, I don't think they padded enough time They're like, oh, you're going to come out. That'll be, you know, 30 seconds. And it ended up being, you know, five minutes of clapping and cheering, especially for John Goodman.
5: They had to know John Goodman was going to get a big ovation. Well, Well, and Ben
0: tried to stop that. Like he said.
1: But like a minute
4: long, not like a five minute, you know. Right. (laughs) Well, and, and another thing with that many people in the audience, now, I'm not a big fan of subtitles, but I think in that particular situation, and we've talked about this at our member event, you know, I think it would have warranted, you know, subtitles and a venue of that capacity.
0: Well, and somebody told me that their husband was sitting up, up at the balcony, couldn't hear anything, couldn't see anything. So you're yeah. paying 50 bucks a ticket to go and you can't see anything? Like it's they got
5: They got two episodes of the show. So
2: well, and so let's let's set up the scene a little bit, right? This is a larger theater. Mm-hmm. Um, it, typically the largest theater that the festival has events in is the Paramount, which correct me if I'm wrong, is 1,100, 1,200 seats at the max. Mm-hmm. Um, this was this is about 3,000 people who were there, and it was filled that night. Mm-hmm. It was not completely full the night before for Cheers. Mm-hmm. It was sold out for Righteous Gemstones. So this is literally the largest group that the festival has had for any of their events over the course of now 12 seasons. So, you know, trying to figure out exactly how all of this is going to work is, is certainly a thing. And they learned from the first night at that theater how they should better position people along the way. My hunch is, is if they go back, they'll be in a better position to handle some of those sight and sound uh, worries, especially upstairs, right. than they were this
3: gonna. I was literally at an Austin City Limits taping, taping last night. I, I'm always up at the top because I get my tickets for free. I, I can see everything. That, that venue is the perfect venue. I don't know how they couldn't see anything. Now hearing – I can understand because of the whole, no one knows how to talk into a microphone, Um, but they should have been able to see everything for sure.
1: So I have a question because there was some, I felt like this year had more panels where we just saw clips of shows rather than whole episodes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a strike. Right. But my question would be, so for those people who are paying for the day passes, would they be, happy and willing to pay the day ticket or the pass ticket right for just that event if it was just clips of one episode and then longer conversation with the panel
0: i think so because that's what you're going for you're trying I,
1: to get from them that's what Battlestar galactica was
3: they didn't show a full episode of Battlestar galactica they only showed a couple they think they showed the big the big scene from the beginning, right? And then they showed some other clips and then otherwise it was just the panel the entire time. Yes. That was a reunion though. Reunion panels are a little different.
4: Well, and I will say that was my first year at the festival and, um, you know, I was hooked and I keep coming back, but it's like if I was a single ticket holder, yeah, I'm I'm going to see people, I'm going to interact with the fans of the show. You know, I feel like, yes, even if I didn't get to screen a full episode or a new episode or an episode I've watched previously, I think I would still be happy to pay that price to be within the community, you know.
2: Well, and let's uh, say... Let's The the screenings are as much, I think, the screenings are as much for the people who are there, the the cast and the crew, who get a chance to see this in the setting as they are for us. It's a difficult thing uh, to expand that in the schedule that they have set up because you're adding in a half hour or an hour to each of these panels along the way. But I think it will be an interesting thing to see how how they try to keep adding that as they go along. All right. Now, talk righteous gemstones,
0: man. <laughs> I mean, I think we did.
4: <laughs> like, the panel was fantastic.
3: Well, I was, was going yeah. to also have,
4: have add it. The episodes? Have you Are you caught up?
0: So, I'm not caught up. Mm-hmm. I watched the first three episodes because I'm, like, I've been watching them with a friend because we recorded mm-hmm. over the first three episodes, and he said, this week we'll watch the other two, and then I can watch whatever after that. But I was being nice. I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm of course
1: I'm you are not. I know because it's always a tough thing when you watch a show with somebody because I will probably never finish um Frankie and Gracie because I started that with my sister and I'm never gonna get to finish that show because we have to now I have to wait for her. And <laughs> you have to be a better liar. <laughs> just be a life. good liar jamie
3: <laughs> just do the just netflix party you've never seen it before
2: <laughs> okay well then then let me add one more thing right yeah. I, I thought the unfortunate thing from the panel and the only thing that i really thought was if you listen and go back danny mcbride basically says nothing mm-hmm. he got a chance to answer three questions And he basically said, and and literally, I mean, it was as much as that was. I was really interested in what he might think or say, and he didn't feel like he was comfortable being able to answer anything. Not the fault of Ben, the moderator, who had set him up with a couple of, you know, I mean, softball answers, but a a couple of questions he could have gone a lot of ways with. And he just didn't feel like he wanted to answer them. That was a shame.
0: Right. And I don't think Cassidy Freeman got to talk much either. It was mainly Edie Mm -hmm. Patterson and Adam Devine that talked. And then it was like nothing else. And I would like to hear from the other two writers of the show.
2: Agreed. So it just – part of that I'm sure was the time constraints. But part of it also just felt like there was a a couple of people who were willing to engage and a couple of people who really weren't. Right.
0: Well, maybe we can get Emily and Laura to get more of the actors and the writers from the show on Zoom again, because that was great with Tim Baltz.
4: Well, I was just very thankful to see um, John Goodman as someone who grew up um, relatively close to St. Louis. You know, I was just so thankful to see him in person. (laughs) And so this festival checked off some boxes for for me, um, and John Goodman was one of them.
3: good. Yeah, he looks mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. It's good to see he's going to be around for a while because he's, you know, taking care of himself.
0: Okay, I was yeah. shocked that he said his father-in-law watches the show, and who was like an an a, a former pastor. His father-in-law still alive? Like how old? Because <laughs> John Goodman's pretty uh, up there.
5: Good genes, good genes in <laughs> the family. But how old? <laughs> is he? You know, his, his wife might be a little younger. You know what I mean?
0: She could be. I have no idea. It just shocked me.
5: <laughs> I mean, I think she, Al Pacino probably still has uh, 30 years on his father-in-law. <laughs> or, <you know. laughs> Possibly. Debbie,
0: what are going to say?
1: Totally. So to it. That's two different questions. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, to, and to answer, he's 71. She's 53. So, yes. Okay. okay. His father-in-law
4: is probably his age.
0: Okay. <laughs> Makes more sense. Debbie, what were you going to say?
4: Um, So the Are You Afraid of the Dark um, at the Driscoll. So just if you don't know, the Driscoll is very haunting. So <laughs> they, they did this panel. I did not do the screening of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, Not my thing. <laughs> um, but I did go on the ghost tour. I was uh, one of the first groups to... Get a wonderful tour from a wonderful tour guide at the Driscoll. And it I was, was...
5: what? I said I was with you.
4: Yes, Sean was there. Another festival friend was there. And you know what? It was wonderful. Even if you're in Austin, I recommend the ghost tour of the Driscoll. I'm sure it's worth, I think, the sixteen dollars. <laughs> um, oh, it's so creepy and so Oh, chills, chills.
0: (laughs) I mean, I have thoughts about this. Okay. So, are you for the Driscoll? I think it's a great idea that they did this. But they also mm -hmm. told, they were showing old episodes of the original series. One had Mm -hmm. uh, Nev Campbell in it, and I think the other one had uh, Ryan Gosling in it. And then they said, we have a brand new episode from the upcoming season, but it was actually from the very first season. (laughs) So I was a little disappointed in that. But let's talk about the tour guide for a second. I don't know about your tour, but she was just a horny old lady that that's only t- she's only told these dirty sex stories about yep, ghosts.
5: Same, same lady. I
1: never said she I'm, wasn't. I'm going to defend her even though she's a stranger because at the beginning and again you have to remember that this was everybody was scattered because of the thunderstorm and mm-hmm. like Thank you, Tammy, because I would have A been lost and then be drenched, even more drenched than I was. Chris, I already told you we're trying to look for you and it was <laughs> we lost you. Anyway, point of the story being so everybody was like, so they kept it was like, do we start? Do we delay? Like, what, what are we doing? And she, the tour guide, was explaining like, here's however many ghosts there are at the dream school. <laughs> And she went through the list of, and I can't tell you who they are, but she got to the prostitute. And then she said, do which one do y'all want to talk about? And we were all like, duh, we want to talk about the headless prostitute. Like, why is that even a question? So I think that then she adjusted. She's like, oh, okay, this is the crowd I got. So then this <laughs> is the crowd I'm going to go with. is what I'm going to, again, I didn't go on the tour, so I have no idea. I also have no idea if that is, like, factual in any way, shape, or form, but I'm going to go with that. That's the story I've made up in my head.
0: I mean, that could work. I was the last group that she did the tour for, and so it was just sex stories.
4: Well, Jamie, I feel like that's a valid assessment because as one of the first groups, like, she did talk about some... Um, interesting equipment from <laughs> from back in the day. Um, Google the history of Driscoll, and you'll understand what I'm referring to. But it, 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 I think the ghost tour is worth it. And we, there are a lot of ATX members who have personal ghost stories. So far, with only the festival being there two years, so <laughs> it is it is worth it.
0: Oh, Emily told us one and the the room we were watching, we were pausing the show. She said that she was in bed and then this light started flashing out of the bathroom, but she was too tired to get up and she thought it was a ghost. It was her flashing ring from the sing-along that she left in the sink.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That is perfect. (laughs) perfect.
1: (laughs) Okay. So that was my question. Did anybody who stayed at the Driscoll this year have any spooky encounters because I'm not gonna lie that is one of the reasons that every time I'm like do I want to try to stay at the Driscoll um because I don't really need I I will lose crap on my own I will trip myself I don't need a ghost helping me in any way shape or form <laughs> like I'm already a mess ghost like uh,
2: yeah. stayed away from my room this year
1: I
4: don't I didn't stay there but I'm curious if other people are having the experience that I'm having. So upstairs, there's a women's restroom. And every time I'm in this restroom, I'm drawn to a certain corner of the bathroom. It's like, no, here's the exit door, but I always want to turn this way. And it's like there's something behind the wall. And it's like some some something being pulled that way. And I wonder if any of the other members who use the women's restroom have a similar experience of being drawn to a mysterious force. Are you talking about the one where
3: the most of the panels are that restroom? Cause the one in the bar area is haunted.
4: No, I'm talking, no, I'm talking about like the main, the upper, upper bathroom.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i haven't had that but that uh, in the tour and i don't know if she talked about it because she was too busy talking about the prostitutes but the women's <laughs> restroom in the bar area is 100 haunted from ev- everyone everyone that's told me i have not experienced anything in there but just so you know
0: okay it was a good ghost tour i will give you that it just was funny that it was all sexual
1: it was very sexual. You're welcome. I, I think <laughs> those of us who were there at the beginning, you're welcome. Because we were, I mean, it was literally like everybody in the room was like, duh, like we want to hear about it. And then she started talking about like...
0: She knew you were going to ask about that one. The other one's probably all made up. She, when you said headless prostitute, that grabs your attention. So,
5: Debbie,
1: who, who who else was
5: with us when we uh, were out in like the main lobby area? Um,
4: so it was myself you, Sean, your wife, Angie, my friend, John, who's from Austin, and it then uh, it may have been Rachel, but then it was some of the venue, okay. the venue, so, ATX staff.
5: So mm-hmm. Rachel is kind of freaked out by some ghost-like stuff, so while we were in the lobby talking and she was telling us this prostitute, well, sex toy story... um. <laughs> Somebody was doing maintenance on the elevator, so the elevator door kept opening and closing and opening and closing, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you see a hand reach out from the open elevator door, and I thought Rachel was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> i <I'm laughs> so <laughs> sorry, I missed that. <laughs> so open and close, like four or five times, and then all of a sudden, you see a hand come out, and she's like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's say, perfect. That's perfect.
0: <laughs> I can't remember the name of the That's staffer. But...
5: Podcast, Lee.
0: <laughs> the staffer that was in the room would go outside and start banging on the door or knock over a chair to scare us while we're watching a nineties T V show. It wasn't Yeah. A few people no, got freaked out. This, this
5: guy was literally just doing maintenance <laughs> on the elevator trying to fix it to make sure the sensor for the door <laughs> wasn't Okay, hey, you were just scared by the old like T V ratio
2: so you couldn't actually see the full screen. Sometimes I get
1: better at singing and sometimes it feels